I'm Hannah Storm, and my new podcast, NBA DNA with Hannah Storm, chronicles my six decades in professional basketball, from growing up in the sport to becoming one of sports TV's first female broadcasters. Join me as I dig deep into the game's history, unearth some wild stories, and talk to my friends from the world of basketball, from Dr. J to Charles Barkley. It's been a wild ride, and now I get to take you with me. Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storm on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Imagine you ask two people the same seven questions. I'm Minnie Driver, and this was the idea I set out to explore in my podcast, Mini Questions. This year, we bring a whole new group of guests to answer the same seven questions, including Courtney Cox, Rob Delaney, Liz Fair, and many, many more. Join me on season three of Mini Questions on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your favorite podcasts. Seven questions, limitless answers. The Big Take from Bloomberg News brings you what's shaping the world's economies with the smartest and best-informed business reporters around the world. We cover the stories behind what's moving money in markets and help you understand what's happening, what it means, and why it matters every afternoon. I'm Sarah Holder. I'm Saleha Mosin. And I'm David Gura. Listen to The Big Take on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. From the Abraham Lincoln Radio Studio at the George Washington Broadcast Center, Jack Armstrong and Joe Getty. The Armstrong and Getty Show. This is my little hammy, well was, and he's getting stuffed. I just want to clarify that my hamster was dead when I did this. I didn't kill my hamster for textionary purposes. That's crazy. I loved him. Look how freaking cute he is. So my first step was to find someone who was as crazy as I am, but has the skills to execute my taxidermy dreams. Several months later, Hammy, look at him. Oh, he's so gorgeous. My vision was to have him as a stripper. This is him in his final resting place as he looks over me. Oh, Hammy. What the hell was that? That's a woman. Michael, do you want to do Yeah, the, the woman, um, she took her dead hamster, had it stuffed, and made it uh, into a miniature male stripper. So she has a male stripper hamster. Corpse. Corpse. Is she uh, getting any of my tax money? I'm sure she is. Had the feel of somebody who's getting my tax money. <laughs> you know what I mean? So Speaking I just... strippers, uh, can I please make it clear to the Wall Street Journal, I do not wear panties, all right? I, I, not, not today, not yesterday, not tomorrow. I do not wear panties. For whatever reason, I spend a lot of time on the Wall Street Journal uh, during the show. Off, they, They're giving me underwear ads. And like... like PG-13 or more underwear ads. I don't know if my, my wife... I don't think my wife reads their journal subscription at all, but I don't, stop trying to sell me women's underwear. I don't want it. PG-13, yeah, it reminds me. There was an ad that was way too close to porn on my Twitter feed yesterday. As, as I opened my phone to show something to my son, and there was an ad on there that was just, like, ridiculous. Um... So I actually did some Googling to figure out how you uh, keep that stuff. There is a filter you can go to to try to get stuff off your any advertising feeds. It was an ad for a TV show, I guess. Mm -hmm. But um, 
I hate that. The pushing ads to you for stuff you have no interest in and it's inappropriate. Yeah. It's the modern world. Get it, used to it. It is the modern world. Of course, I see billboards like that all the time. Maybe I'm just an old prude now, but man, some of the beer billboards are like, it's way too sexy for a billboard along the highway. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a pornographic world. So I just saw a video of Joe Biden getting off uh, the helicopter and walking toward the plane. He's going to Pennsylvania again. Uh, they've noted several places, even Joe Biden-friendly news outlets, that this is his third trip to Pennsylvania this month, and the month is only two weeks old. I realize it's a battleground state, and he is in a presidential election year, but there are a number of battleground states. You've gone to Philadelphia three times in two weeks. Anyway. Do they um, have any theory on why? It's a a battleground state, I get. He wants to make sure he's going to Win Pennsylvania. Um, uh, I wonder if the best kept secret in Washington, D.C., we're all going to become aware of it here soon, is he ain't running. He knows he ain't running. They don't have any plan to run him. They just got to, as somebody said earlier, lure the Republican Party into nominating Trump, and then they pull Biden, who Trump could beat, and put in there somebody that maybe Trump couldn't beat. Maybe maybe that is the game. That's my theory. You know it. Maybe that is the actual game, and we'll all be like, ah, in retrospect, they'll seem like, of course. So he gets off the helicopter, and he does the... Joe Biden used to always jog places to show how young and vigorous he was once he got old. Like, I'm still... Yeah, jog still. like a few steps anyway, yeah. Well, back yeah. when... I remember when Joe, when Barack Obama picked him to be his, his nominee, and he gave his big speech. I think that was in Pennsylvania, and he announced Joe Biden. Joe Biden came running across, running across the stage to show, hey, I'm 60, but I'm still... In really good shape, which he was. He ain't anymore. So he gets off the plane today, and he he tries to go into his jog, and he takes like a step and a half, kind of lifts his knees up a little higher than a shuffle, and then goes back to his slouching, shuffling along. It's like, really? Oh, yeah, he's... Joe Biden is Mr. Burns at this point. <laughs> Montgomery Burns. I I saw several videos over the weekend, um, some with audio, some without, and they were they were contemporary. They were not like a collection of his most senile and decrepit looking performances. He looks terrible right now. Yeah, he does. Yeah, I, I mean saw, he's I got the, the mouth open and the thousand yep. yard stare and yep. the hunched shoulders, and he just. He is a man at the end of his life. God bless him. Yeah, and it is going to seem so obvious in retrospect that what you have been saying should have been obvious to everyone. He can't run. It's an absurdity, the idea. And it's January. Give it six months. Right around when the uh, conventions are. So, a uh, little bingo, bango, bongo, a lot of news stories to talk about. Here's uh, a couple in a row from the uh, the theme, the folder, if you will. Uh, policy matters. Elections matter. This is the most popular shared article from the Wall Street Journal editorial page, Why No One Goes Out to Eat in D.C. Anymore. And it's funny, we were just discussing a little earlier how uh, a prominent food blogger went to San Francisco, which uh, recently I saw in a poll is considered the number two eating city in America, dining city. New York, Dinner number table one, San, events. San Francisco for the longest time has been number two. Charleston, South Carolina is number three. Well, okay, um, but who's going to San Francisco? Tourists aren't going to San Francisco. Nobody's eating it. Well, 
And this food blogger said that uh, people are just trying to survive there. He said, I wouldn't go there to, to dine and dine out and stuff anymore. That reputation is, is uh, well, they're living on it, but it's no longer legit. Um, likewise, a bunch of blue cities, but um, super popular again in the Wall Street Journal. Why no one goes out to eat in D.C. anymore. Misguided public policy has led to fear on the streets and surcharges on restaurant bills. The restaurant scene in the District of Columbia is dying, and public policy is to blame. Uh, and they talk about the heyday, which was just, you know, four, five, six years ago of dining in D.C., uh, but that was then. Rising crime and last year's mandated increase in tipped wages have restaurateurs lining up to leave town. And they name-check a bunch of hot restaurants in D.C. that I've never been to and never would have anyway, but that are closing and and leaving, saying uh, combined effects of the app, but the pandemic, sputtering economy, spike in violent crime have made it, quote, impossible to survive. Homicides in D.C. up 35%. Car thefts and carjackings up 80-plus percent. Well, you, you can imagine. Well, that, that would keep you from going downtown. But even without that, if you mandate certain amounts for tips and all these various things, that's going to drive a lot of people away. Yeah, absolutely. The, the cost is no longer worth the benefit. It's as simple as that. And on a, a similar uh, tack... From the Department of, uh, we had a story, I think it was last week, that Wendy's has developed uh, AI ordering boards. Now, is it true AI or is it just pretty good, you know, fill in the blank, which is a lot of AI here. You say the first six words of a sentence, they've gotten pretty good at quickly figuring out what that seventh word is going to be. Um, but uh, Wendy's is I working would like a to- cheese burger. Is the next word burger? Was it burger? I win. Um, so, yeah, obviously, technology robots are coming to fast food because of the idiotic, uh, just virtue signaling, but ultimately damaging uh, work by the Gavin Newsoms of the world to artificially raise the wages of fast food workers, far beyond the point where it makes any sense to employ them. Well, this story, again from the journal, uh, robots are looking better to Detroit as labor costs rise. Expensive new union contracts spark more interest in assembly line automation for vehicles. And they're working as hard as they can to develop automated assembly now. Um, uh, competition from relative newcomers like Tesla, they mentioned, which has been more aggressive in deploying this factory technology, is also nudging more traditional auto manufacturers in this direction. Pasadena, California just opened the first entirely automated restaurant a week ago. I'll have to check that out soon and report on how well that works. But the whole thing is automated. Robots bring you your food, take your order, everything. Wow. You that sounds a little gimmicky. Does. It's like the restaurant in my town has got a robot waiter. And it's a gimmick. I mean, it's a little... It comes out, I mean, it can figure out where your table is, and it comes out with the drinks on a tray. And... Well, if the Roomba can figure out where the ottoman is for my chair, then you'd think, yeah, there's a technology that can figure out where table six is. Somebody said Joe Biden reminds him of a Roomba when he starts turning around. He's like trying to find the exit, and he's going forward, and then he backs up, and he turns around. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Come on. When was that speech he had? Uh, it was pretty recently. He looked pretty with it. Yeah, that was his big kickoff speech. Uh, oh, it's a January 6th speech. Um, like the first big speech of his campaign. Oh, right, yeah. Day before yeah. January 6th, he and Trump gave doing speeches. And he was full-on energetic. 
you know, coherent, coherent, mostly. Yeah. Well, I think the contrast between that and how he is most of the rest of the time really makes a point. You can't look at that and say, oh, clearly he's, he's still energetic and vigorous. No, something is going on. I mean, how many of us are like vastly different from day to day? In terms of our energy level yeah. and our our ability to be coherent. Pretty much the same all the time. Well, right. Yeah. Yeah. Low energy and kind of medium coherence. Speaking <laughs> for myself. Um, so, yeah, I think it's notable that occasionally he is with it. But the rest of the time, and I'm not trying to be funny, he looks like Montgomery Burns. But, well, no, he's less energetic than, than Monty Burns. <laughs> Excellent. And his prospects in the next election are less than excellent, I would have said. But you stole my punchline. Anyway, and then this. I mentioned this earlier, and uh, Jack was aghast, but it's, uh, it's worth knowing. Your headline, woman will suffer diarrhea forever after Ozempic caused horror bowel injury. There are people, and it is a small number, but there are thousands and thousands of people who are taking Ozempic off-label. It's supposed to be a diabetes drug, but they're taking it for weight loss. And all of the people in the story were women. Um, I think because women struggle more vain, than vain men with women. weight loss. Well, yeah, and women are just made to store fat so they can have babies and the rest of it. But um, thousands of patients have come forward to claim they suffered adverse reactions to the drugs and suffered in particular gastroparesis the medical name for paralysis of the stomach this condition which can be life-threatening causes a buildup of food in the gut and symptoms including nausea vomiting and severe pain some suffered life-threatening bowel injuries and face lifelong consequences yeah but you got your revenge body you know, it's funny. A lot of the women in this pic- in this article are really, really attractive. Um, uh, this woman vomited so much her teeth fell out. Uh, in another example, a woman was diagnosed with a life-threatening bowel injury, underwent surgery that lasted nearly nine hours. Doctors said she would been, be in pain for the rest of her life and will never have a solid bowel movement again. Good morning. That'd be some bad news to get. Holy cow. Uh, a third case brought by a woman who used Wagovi claims she was diagnosed with severe gastroparesis and was hospitalized with symptoms including going a week without a bowel movement. Be handy. The other side of the coin of the other gal. Yeah. Time saver. Yeah, but you look good um, on the beach. Yeah, yeah. Again, it's a it's a pretty rare side effect, uh, but yeah, can you imagine? Wow, imagine the doctor sitting you down saying you're never going to have another solid bowel movement. Wow, doctor, is that it? Well, you'll be in pain the rest of your life, too. You have any good news? I, I validate parking. <laughs> I'd like a second opinion. You're ugly, too. <laughs> uh, here's a mother of two who's prescribed the drug to control her fluctuating weight and pre-diabetes condition. Required five hospital visits before physicians diagnosed her with this gastroparesis and diabetic uh, keto acid dosage, which can be life life threatening, admitted to uh, in, uh, intensive care. Great Scott! Oh, and she's super cute too. Wait a minute. Oh, she's a mother of two. Okay, she's twenty three. Yeah. Well, you either get your twenties or your fifties. Free uh, for solid bowel movements, or for solid bowel movements. That was my point precisely. <laughs> 
All right, yeah, we wow. Th- Check. Uh, read the label. Yeah, no kidding. No kidding. Or get used to being a little chunky. I think that's a better idea. Uh, we got to take a break. More on the way. Armstrong and Getty. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Big Take from Bloomberg News brings you what's shaping the world's economies with the smartest and best-informed business reporters around the world. Western nations like the U.S. and Europe. Mexico will likely have its first female president. And then you have China. And help you understand what's happening, what it means, and why it matters. He'll get his yo-yos to Europe in time. But the longer this drags on, the more worry he's getting. They knew that they needed to do this as fast as they possibly could to get a drug on the market as fast as they could. I'm David Gura. I'm Sarah Holder. I'm Saleya Mosin. We cover the stories behind what's moving money and markets. Basically, everyone was expecting, if not a calamity, certainly a recession. But the problem is that that paperwork, as our reporting showed, is fake. As someone who's covering the market, I'm often very worried about an imminent collapse. So I'm thinking about it quite often. Listen to The Big Take on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Armstrong and Getty Show. Alaska Airlines is still trying to figure out what went wrong after the door blew out on one of their recent flights. And I saw that they're now giving every passenger who was on the plane a full refund and $1,500. Yeah, they're like, yeah, go get yourself some nice therapy for yourself. Talk talk to someone. $1,500, Alaska Airlines was like, $1,500 may not sound like much, but that's what we pay for the plane. So it's... So we ran that joke earlier, but I wanted to talk about the airlines at least briefly, and I thought that would be a good setup for it. Axios uh, did an interview with Scott Kirby, the CEO of United, uh, recently, in which he was so proud he would not shut up about their DEI programs, which uh, I've learned recently stands for Division, Exclusion, and Incompetence. How do you feel knowing the next pilot on your next flight was chosen because of their sexual orientation, their color of their skin, or their gender what's-its? Clip 90, Michael. How is diversity and diversity targets working into the Aviate Academy? We have committed that 50% of the class of, of the classes will be women or people of color. Uh, today, only 19% of our pilots at United Airlines are women or people of color. And by the way, from all the data I've seen, that's the highest of any airline in the country. Yeah, that's fantastic. That's great because that's really reassuring. He, he rolls on talking about management. White males don't just dominate in the cockpits, also in the C-suite at United Airlines. Well, look, at United, I'm proud of the diversity that we actually have in our, our C-suite. I think if you look around corporate America... Correct me if I'm saying though. so I, this is just based off your website, the people you list as executives, but out of 11 people, three are women, I believe one is a person of color. Um, that's correct. Um, but, you know, in corporate America, I think, you know... That's a low bar. How do you yeah. raise your own bar? Well, a lot of this is, you know, focusing on it. We have uh, programs to, one of the things we do is for every job when we do an interview, we require women and people of color to be involved in, in the interview 
process, bringing people in early in their careers um, as well, uh, and giving them those opportunities. I am absolutely in favor of recruiting aggressively if you feel like you have some sort of shortfall. But there is a group thinky DEI fan who does not realize most of America is caught on that this stuff is a racist and B neo-Marxist has nothing to do with uh, racial uh, inclusion. It has to do with seizing power. Scott, you fool. That's unbelievable. you got to reject the premise of the Axios guy's questions. Tell them, yeah, we hired the best people available at the time. How they came out on some sort of color chart was not really what we were thinking about. We fly hundreds of thousands of flights, and we got to keep people alive and safe and get them to their destination. The color of the people do it doesn't enter into it. Armstrong and Getty. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Big Take from Bloomberg News brings you what's shaping the world's economies with the smartest and best-informed business reporters around the world. Western nations like the U.S. and Europe. Mexico will likely have its first female president. And then you have China. And help you understand what's happening, what it means, and why it matters. He'll get his yo-yos to Europe in time. But the longer this drags on, the more worry he's getting. They knew that they needed to do this as fast as they possibly could to get a drug on the market as fast as they could. I'm David Gura. I'm Sarah Holder. I'm Saleh Mosin. We cover the stories behind what's moving money and markets. Basically, everyone was expecting, if not a calamity, certainly a recession. But the problem is that that paperwork, as our reporting showed, is fake. As someone who's covering the market, I'm often very worried about an imminent collapse. So I'm thinking about it quite often. Listen to The Big Take on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I had meant to uh, squeeze in this story in the discussion about how the CEO of United Airlines is so proud of their DEI efforts and is making it clear that the pilot on your next flight will be chosen based on the hue of their skin and or who they sleep with as opposed to just simply being the best, which is a chilling and idiotic attitude. And it's amazing to me that anybody bought it in the first place. Uh, much less continues to at this late date. But as I've said several times, this this fight against the insidious, dishonest DEI thing, man, we're just getting started. I mean, especially on the left side of the aisle. Uh, I think Jewish uh, liberals have been made acutely aware of how sick all of this is and how it's not based on a, a moral uh, you know, conception at all. It's just it's a quest for power. It's utterly without morality. It's the opposite of morality. Uh, at any rate, um, 
Uh, I was going to squeeze this in as well. The FAA, and this is astonishing, the FAA is actively recruiting workers. Uh, They need flight controllers, people in the control tower, that sort of thing. Um, They're actively recruiting workers who suffer severe intellectual disabilities, psychiatric problems, and other mental and physical conditions under their diversity and inclusion hiring initiative spelled out on the agency's website. This is a quote from the website. Targeted disabilities are those disabilities that the federal government, as a matter of policy, has identified for special emphasis in recruitment and hiring. They include hearing, vision, missing extremities, partial paralysis, complete paralysis, epilepsy, severe intellectual disability, psychiatric disability, and dwarfism. Now, if I found out there's a little person in the control tower... I don't care. That's fine. I hope they have a long and fruitful career in a very respectable way to make a living. On the other hand, if you tell me, yeah, there are people with serious psychiatric problems in the control tower, I got an issue with that. What the hell? The FAA added uh, it would increase its oversight of Boeing in the wake of their incident with the uh, door plug flying off. Uh, Following the incident, social media commentators and public figures have said that airlines and airline manufacturers' emphasis on DEI initiatives have made flying less safe. Elon Musk weighed in. Do you want to fly in an airplane where they prioritize DEI hiring over your safety? He wrote last week, that's actually happening. Matt Walsh on the Daily Wire said that DEI rot in the airline industry is way worse than you think. It's all about PR. But PR for a crowd that I think has lost touch with reality in the way that people who get swept swept away by their ideology tend to. It's just crazy. But again, it's early days of this battle, folks. Don't get tired because we got a lot of fighting to do. Uh, Speaking of of insanity uh, from the progressive end of uh, ideology, Uh, Touched on this story very briefly, but it's worth fleshing out. Um, A Florida woman who medically transitioned from female to male as a 14-year-old is suing the American Academy of Pediatrics. And I know for the longest time I thought what you probably think or or used to think that the uh, AAP is uh, an organization that's entirely about health for your kids. And uh, the only things they do have to do with what's the best way to get, you know, the kids to be the most healthy. No, they're an extremely political organization, as the AMA is. And they're lefties. Um, But anyway, this, uh, this young Florida woman alleges she was whisked through the process as a minor by, quote, From the suit, a collection of actors who prioritize politics and ideology over children's safety, health, and well-being. Oh, that reminds me, there's a prominent Texas medical center that allegedly shut down its sex changes for kids operation. And a whistleblowing doctor has come forward and said they're still doing it. They're just calling it by different names and they're hiding it. There are still activists, and this is in Texas, who are who are feeding hormones and doing life-altering permanent procedures on confused children. So these people are so hardcore. Anyway, back to this Isabel Ayala, who's 20 years old. She's suing her doctors in Rhode Island and the uh, AAP. She says, I just really don't want this to happen to other vulnerable young girls. I don't want puberty to be the enemy. I don't want our natural biology to be the enemy. And she's a very soft-spoken woman who doesn't want any attention, but she's so horrified by what happened to her. She was sexually assaulted as a child, 
and then started early puberty at age eight, both of which, and this is exactly what I've been talking about, practically word for word, made her terrified of puberty, terrified of her femininity, terrified of being a woman, especially in this era of ever-present, really way out there, pornography where girls catch wind of wait a minute that's what sex is that's what being a woman is i don't want anything to do with that and they panic and then what happens to this gal happens to them too and we'll get to that but she says i decided to transition just because of a series of unfortunate things that i had tied to being female and these things made me hate being female at age 11, she found solace in the transgender activist community on Tumblr, which comes off, uh, comes across over and over again, or comes up, I should say, over and over again in this discussion. And she thought, this is going to fix me. She learned from trans activists that fabricating suicidal ideation is a surefire way to get a testosterone prescription quickly. So at age 14, she did, did just that. Quote, I learned that from the Internet that I had to convince my doctors and family that if they don't affirm me, I'm going to kill myself. I heard another very serious commentator, not a bomb chucker at all, one of the great thinkers, um, mention that, yeah, this is commonly known now. That if you are a confused young person who thinks you have gender problems or is panicked over puberty or has decided that, yeah, I'm alienated and I don't have a lot of friends and I'm an unhappy person. And all these activists tell me the problem is I'm the other gender. I need to change my sex. And a lot of people are in that boat. How many of us were alienated and didn't quite fit in as adolescents? And now you have these activists selling them on the notion that, yeah, your problem isn't that, you know, you'll always be a bit of a square peg in a world around holes. No, they tell them the problem is you need to get a sex change. And then you'll be happy and you'll have lots and lots of friends. Anyway, um, so they everybody knows that you have to claim, yeah, I'll kill myself if you don't do this. And then the adults in your life will give in. And the doctors, uh, who, if even if they're not activists, will give in. Uh, Ayala said she was referred to a gender clinic diagnosed with gender dysphoria by transgender health expert Dr. Jason Rafferty. According to the lawsuit, this Rafferty monster determined that she would benefit, this is a quote, from being put on cross-sex hormones in a single visit that lasted less than an hour. Ayala alleges that her previous diagnoses of autism ADHD and PTSD from her rape were overlooked by her health care providers. The lawsuit claims her doctors, quote, falsely represented that cross-sex hormone therapy was the only treatment option available to Isabel to effectively treat her gender dysphoria, as well as her anxiety, depression, PTSD, and suicidality. So she's anxious, depressed, has PTSD, and the answer is a, a sex change? Less than a year into treatment, Ayala says she actually did attempt suicide. Uh, says her attorney, she was a guinea pig under one of the top experts in this field of so-called gender medicine. She was hitting rock bottom, and he continued to put her down this experimental path of medicine. By age 17, Ayala felt the urge to begin presenting femininely again. 
A YouTuber who detransitioned inspired her to identify as a woman again, and she soon realized her transition had been a massive mistake. Three years on, she still struggles with unwanted body hair, vaginal atrophy, and an altered bone structure from the testosterone. She has since contracted Hashimoto's disease, an autoimmune disease that only the males in her family have a history of, from taking testosterone. She filed her lawsuit in October, naming seven doctors and 15 John Doe's. She accused of, quote, civil conspiracy, fraud, and medical malpractice. Among the physicians named is this Dr. Rafferty, who prescribed her testosterone on her first visit. Uh, her lawyer, quote, said to the uh, New York Post, quote, there was zero mental health diagnosis, zero psycho-behavioral psycho diagnosis, nothing other than simply taking Isabel's word for what she needed. It's worth mentioning, Dr. Rafferty is the chair of the American Academy of Pediatrics LGBTQ plus health and wellness committee who writes their guidelines. This monster, my opinion, who rushed this poor, confused, damaged adolescent girl down this path is the head guy at the American Academy of Pediatrics dealing with this stuff. It's just unbelievable. It's it's sick. It's twisted. These people have way out there Dr. Frankensteinian medical theories and this weird desire to make everybody a gender bender. And they're working it out on these confused adolescent girls. And it is sad and it is sick. End of screed. I hope she wins her lawsuit and I hope it changes. It causes fundamental changes in the way this stuff is dealt with. Are there some people out there with legitimate gender dysphoria for whatever neurological reason that science doesn't understand? Yeah, of course there are. I think it's a vanishingly small number. Vanishingly small. I think there is an absolute craze among confused adolescents who think that this is their problem. Um, and, and again, they have this activist community of, of, of weird, sick people who are, who are pushing it as hard as they can. I think we'll wake up from this nightmare before too terribly wrong, too terribly long and realize how wrong and sick this experiment on, on children is. Can you imagine a world where every anorexic girl was told, you're right, you are fat. We need to affirm. We're going to body image affirm you. Body image affirming care. You are fat. You're right. We're going to affirm your mental health problem and push you further down that road. Can you imagine people saying to confused, uh, depressed adolescents, you're right. Nobody loves you and you always will be a failure. I need to affirm your confused adolescent mental health problem. We need to have depression affirming care. You are worthless you will always be worthless we need to affirm you because people with mental health problems are always capable of accurately diagnosing themselves and saying what ought to happen next no that's the opposite of what medical science has known for a very long time let's hope more people have woken up to this and a change will come and i hope it comes soon more to come If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, 
Cain Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Big Take from Bloomberg News brings you what's shaping the world's economies with the smartest and best-informed business reporters around the world. Western nations like the U.S. and Europe. Mexico will likely have its first female president. And then you have China. And help you understand what's happening, what it means, and why it matters. He'll get his yo-yos to Europe in time. But the longer this drags on, the more worry he's getting. They knew that they needed to do this as fast as they possibly could to get a drug on the market as fast as they could. I'm David Gura. I'm Sarah Holder. I'm Saleya Mosin. We cover the stories behind what's moving money and markets. Basically, everyone was expecting, if not a calamity, certainly a recession. But the problem is that that paperwork, as our reporting showed, is fake. As someone who's covering the market, I'm often very worried about an imminent collapse. I'm thinking about it quite often. Listen to The Big Take on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Armstrong and Getty Show. The Iowa caucuses today, if you're into politics at all, you know that Trump is going to win. If you're into politics, you know that. Whether he gets over 50% or not is somewhat interesting, but I don't think ultimately has any effect on whether or not he ends up the nominee if he gets 47 as opposed to 51. Uh, I have an interesting thing about the changing nature of the whole evangelical thing, but I think I'll save that for tomorrow because we'll be talking about Trump's big win tomorrow, and when he wins, it's going to be a lot of it because of the evangelical vote, which he is dominating there in Iowa in the way that Mike Huckabee did and Rick Santorum did and George W. Bush did when they all won Iowa. But the uh, what evangelical is has changed. Um, and I just read this in the dispatch, and it's pretty fascinating, but I'll save that for tomorrow. This is about a candidate that won't be around much longer, Vivek Ramaswamy. And so they were following him around, and he was having one of his get-togethers. And here's a conversation that happened with an old guy at uh, one of the um, 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 uh, town halls that Vivek had. What about the CIA, sir? Asks an Iowan named Nathan Trosh. That's where all the pedophiles are, he says to Vivek. Vivek uh, tries to parry that. Well, CIA is a major problem, but they shouldn't even exist outside the military. Ramaswamy said he tried to turn the conversation back to his plan to slash the federal government before he was interrupted again. The Department of Defense has 5,000 pedophiles in it that in 2019 got arrested by Trump. Vivek said, well, you know, they deserve to actually be held accountable. Ramaswamy replied he later promised that he would arrest even more child sex traffickers than Trump did. I'm in favor of that. Trump arrested 5,000 pedophiles in the Department of Defense. So, uh, what percentage of people believe that? I know that's a thing out there. Mm, I, I don't know. I think Do you, it's entirely possible that there were some child porn enthusiasts at the Pentagon, but I, I don't know that story. Well, yeah, if it yeah, exists well, at all. Well, you know it from the QAnon stuff. The okay, yeah. pe- the pizza parlor and the, the yeah, pedophiles. So that's what that is. Yeah. yeah, but what percentage of people are into that? That the QAnon would, would you guess if you're just going to throw out a guess? Is it one percent? Is it a tenth of one percent, or is it much higher than that? 
I don't know. That's a really good question. I think it's uh, it may well be double digits of the Republican electorate. Low double digits. Low double digits. So Ramaswamy yeah, maybe high single. So Ramaswamy doesn't respond to that guy as "What are you talking about, you crackpot?" He just goes with the fact that Trump arrested five thousand pedophiles and vows that he'll arrest even more. I think maybe that's the best thing to do if you're at an event. You're just trying to use judo to get the guy to shut up. Right. right. You're not going to resist him. You're going to say, yeah, yeah, good point. Anyway, getting back to my plan to get rid of the Department of Commerce. Mm. I don't want the show to be over, but I am ready to listen to the final thoughts from Armstrong and Getty. Here's our host for Final Thoughts, Joe Getty. Hey, let's get a final thought from everybody on the crew to wrap things up for the day. There is our technical director, Michelangelo. Michael, final thought? Yeah, I've had to change my diet for health reasons, but the one thing I won't give up is my cheese dip for the Super Bowl. So oh. I will make that a oh. couple weeks away. Oh, 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 can't wait. I'll start my cheese diet. Cheese away, my friend. I'll start my diet after that. Excellent plan. Katie Green, our esteemed newswoman, a final thought? My final thought is a fun fact. At birth, baby elephants can weigh up to 225 pounds, making them the biggest babies on Earth next to Californians dealing with cold weather. Hey! Oh, There's wow! Hey, that ouch, ouch. Uh, Jack, a final thought? <laughs> yeah, I just would like to say that I was talking about this cold that's going around that I have, lots of people in the country have, and it's the worst cold they've ever had. And what's causing that? Well, we got more texts from people that believe the vaccine is causing that than anything we've gotten texts about in I don't know how long. Hundreds of texts. Hit us with an email. Mailbag at armstrongandgetty.com. How would that work biologically? Because I'm not really familiar with those arguments. It seems like a stretch to me, but I could be wrong, certainly. Uh, my final thought is dry January. Are you doing it? I decided I wasn't going to like do it, do it. I took a little more than a week off. And now I'm weekends only, and I'm loving it. It's great. I'm enthused. I'm enjoying how I feel during the week. And, you know, find a custom fit for you. But if you are a fellow cocktail enthusiast, you drink a little more than you should, and you know it, like myself, think about it. Take a, take a break. It's a good reset. Doesn't that make other people awful boring, though, when you have to encounter oh, them? Miserably boring. Like <laughs> I said, Friday and Saturday nights, I'm back on. <laughs> Armstrong and Getty wrapping up another grueling four-hour workday. We'll see you tomorrow with all the results. God bless America. Armstrong and Getty. It's it's really serious. They're locking up my toothpaste. The devil ain't gonna win. No, no, that's not what I was told. So everybody chill. Just shut up. Okay. Okay. Sorry. So let's go out with a bang. We're gonna smear goose liver on our chests to prevent pneumonia and the consumption. And we're gonna crazy. kill a bison and split, spread the blood on our foreheads and dance around a tree. I, no, that, that's not a good idea. On that high note. Thank you all very much. <laughs> Armstrong and Getty. I'm Hannah Storm, and my new podcast, NBA DNA with Hannah Storm, chronicles my six decades in professional basketball, from growing up in the sport to becoming one of sports TV's first female broadcasters. Join me as I dig deep into the game's history, unearth some wild stories, and talk to my friends from the world of basketball, from Dr. J to Charles Barkley. It's been a wild ride, and now I get to take you with me. Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storm on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.
Imagine you ask two people the same seven questions. I'm Minnie Driver, and this was the idea I set out to explore in my podcast, Mini Questions. This year, we bring a whole new group of guests to answer the same seven questions, including Courtney Cox, Rob Delaney, Liz Fair, and many, many more. Join me on season three of Mini Questions on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your favorite podcasts. Seven questions, limitless answers. The Big Take from Bloomberg News brings you what's shaping the world's economies with the smartest and best-informed business reporters around the world. We cover the stories behind what's moving money in markets and help you understand what's happening, what it means, and why it matters every afternoon. I'm Sarah Holder. I'm Saleya Mosin. And I'm David Gura. Listen to The Big Take on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.